And so we're going to turn to the Word of God. We're in a series called Attitudes. And so we're going to talk about this morning. I want to talk to you about the blessing of a great attitude. Amen. There's just something about an attitude of faith. There's something about a positive attitude that lifts you to a level where you're able to function in the unction or the anointing that God has given you. That doesn't mean you don't have challenges. Often it means you face more challenges. Amen? Because how you know when you're walking where God wants you to walk, when you're doing what God wants you to do, the enemy's not pleased with that. And he'll use every opportunity to try and trip you up, put roadblocks in your way. But like Paul said, I've faced many persecutions, troubles, famines, storms, circumstances, but out of them all, God has delivered me. Say, out of them all. God will deliver me. Amen. So let's turn to our text scripture this morning, Acts 2 and verse 4. And let's read together here. It says, and they were all filled. How many were filled? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I want you to notice something really important. We're going to look at this and try and look at it in a little bit of a, of a more broad view, if I could say that. It's easy to lift one scripture, and we can get a lot out of this scripture. It's an incredible moment in the history of the world, in the history of the church. But we need to look at it in context so that we understand the depth of what happened and how it should impact our lives on a daily basis. Basis. So what happened after this is that, the, is that the 120 that met in that room, in that upper room, when they were filled, the Bible says they began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Then they moved out of the upper room and they went into the community and revival broke out. Amen. And we'll look at that a little bit further just now. But there are three words that stand out here for us that we really need to focus on. Number one, it says they were filled. Number two, it says they spoke. And number three, it says they spoke as they were given utterance. So if we look at that in the reverse, it means that before this moment, they were not full. In other words, they were empty or maybe they were half full. Number two, when they spoke, they were not speaking properly because it says once they were filled, they were able to speak in another language. And number three, when they uttered things, when they were sharing or when they were uttering, it was with a limited capacity. All right. In other words, they were speaking and they were uttering, but it wasn't clear. All right. So when this event took place and the Holy Spirit filled them, There was a dynamic that changed in them that caused them to be filled, caused them to begin to speak accurately, and caused them to begin to utter supernatural words that shifted the atmosphere and changed the environment where they lived. Look at the person next to you and say, are you full this morning? All right, I want to clarify for you that there are levels of existence in this world. Alright, here are the levels of existence. Number one, you have worldly people, just ordinary people that are not serving God, they've never been born again, and how many of you know they operate on a human level? They can have intelligence, they can grow, they can become wise, but there's a ceiling on what they're able to do because it's carnal and it's capped by the human experiences, which is a fallen state. Say a fallen state. 
Number two, you have Christians that are born again that never grow. And they are called carnal Christians. Look at the person next to you and say, that's not you. I hope. All right, now listen. Carnal Christians are born again. They love Jesus and they're going to heaven. But they are carnal. In other words, they're born again, but they live like the world. Touch the person next to you. Say, you don't want to be that one. Are you with me this morning, church? Just give me a wave if you're here. Hallelujah. Number three, you have nominal Christians. Now, nominal Christians are not worldly. They're not carnal, but they're nominal. In other words, they're born again. They go to church. They look the part, but often they're not. Bump the person next to you say, that's not you either. Now, listen, I'm not criticizing any of these groups. I've been worldly. I've been carnal. And I'll be nominal. But I want you to know, being spiritual is a whole lot better. And that's the fourth category. That is the spiritual believer, listen, who is on fire for God, moving forward in their growth, understands that they cannot do it in their own strength, and they need the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the power of their salvation, and the gospel of God's grace in their lives every single day if they're going to get through. Are there any spiritual Christians in the house this morning? And we understand this. You can go study it in your own time. Mark chapter 4, Jesus speaks about it. Go read the whole chapter. John chapter 15, Jesus speaks about it. You can go read the whole chapter. It's your homework this week. Number three, Galatians chapter 5 speaks about those categories of Christians. Now listen, there are days in my life where I am nominal. Can we just be honest today? Just say we're going to pray for the pastor. There are days where I'm carnal. I know, I know, I'm married to Mandy. And there are days where she's carnal as well. But here's the reality, that's not who we want to be. That's not where we want to live. Can you say amen? We are going upward and onward with Christ. Can you say amen? And so we need to realize today we've got to make that decision. In, in Acts 2 verse 4, in the Amplified, listen to what it says. They were all filled, diffused, throughout their souls or their inner being with the Holy Spirit. How do you know that implies there was something that shifted when the Holy Spirit moved in and filled them? Amen? They had the Holy Spirit because they were born again, but they weren't filled yet. So there's a difference between knowing that you're born again and you have the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, where you're filled, you speak, and now when you utter things, they are connecting you with the supernatural. In the Amplified, it says this, it gave them the ability to speak accurately and appropriately. Amen? And you see, if we're going to make progress in our lives, if we're going to penetrate the darkness, if we're going to overcome the bondages, if we're going to overcome the things in life and the obstacles that are preventing us from being spiritual Christians and being who God wants us to be, I want you to know this morning, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Can someone shout a good amen this morning? Now listen, the result of them being filled... Please, please, please listen this morning. They didn't hop around in the upper room for the rest of their lives. 
And there's some people in the church today, all they want to do is they want to be in church having a move of God, slaying people in the spirit, lying on the ground, rolling around, laughing, having a good time. And listen, I'm not against that. It is fantastic. We need the infilling. But I want you to know they went out from the upper room and they started to do something in their community. They started to make a difference in the world they lived. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the people were so amazed they actually thought they were drunk. And that led to the place where Paul got up and said, listen, these are not drunk as you suppose. They are filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he began to preach a sermon and 3,000 people got born again and the church was birthed. Can someone say amen? And so we need to realize this morning, as we look at the upper room experience, we need to take a little journey. And I think we need to go back this morning over a few scriptures and see what led to this moment where they were all filled. Amen? So that we can be part of and cooperating with God in what he wants to do in this moment, in our lives, in our local church, in the church corporately in Africa, and in this nation. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you and say, your life matters. All right, so let's go a few verses back. Are you with me this morning? What did you guys do while I was gone? Are you guys with me this morning? Hallelujah. Acts 2 verse 1, okay? It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, say fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Two things very significant here. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Why, Why would it say that? Because it's implying that prior to that it was coming, but it wasn't full yet. All right, so let me, just, let me just give you a little bit of a quick history lesson. The day of Pentecost started, all right, 50 days after the Passover, which was initiated when the children of Israel were still in Egypt, and they painted the blood of Christ or the blood of a lamb over their doorposts and the angel of death passed over them and they were then released out of bondage into the wilderness. That was the Passover. 50 days later, they celebrated the first Pentecost. It was known as the Feast of Thanksgiving where they brought the first fruit of their harvest. So from that day, the day of Pentecost was coming, but it hadn't fully come. And they celebrated it throughout their history. Listen, the day of Pentecost is the day the church is birthed, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and we're baptized with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. Don't tell me Acts is the first place that the Holy Spirit's mentioned. God had been preparing them from the day they left bondage. Listen, you cannot leave bondage, go through the wilderness, and enter the promised land without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Hallelujah. Touch someone next to you and say, man, this is good preaching this morning. Say, we're so glad our pastor went on a mission trip. All right. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, in other words, listen, all the years of history had now culminated in this moment where God was making a transition from a natural kingdom to a spiritual kingdom. And the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they were all full. But notice the second thing. It says they were all in one accord. So verse 4 couldn't happen if verse 1 never happened first. Do you agree with me? 
So we need to recognize this morning that there's something very powerful when we start to understand the Bible from a biblical view, from a full view, when we understand the ultimate purpose of what God is doing in that. The whole Bible culminates in this moment as God brings Christ through as the author of salvation, all right, and he puts mankind in unity with the Spirit and with each other in the body of Christ so they can move forward. And so we need to realize this morning that unity is one of the most powerful things. No, not one. It is the most powerful thing in the life of the church. And the one ingredient that the devil tackles the most. And you know what God is doing in the end, end times in the church? He's bringing unity back. He's bringing unity back into the body of Christ where we're no longer focused on our doctrine, focused on our denomination, focused on who we are and what we are. We're focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of salvation. Amen. The one who birthed us, the one who will see it through to the end. And the Bible says in Philippians, he will complete the good work that he started. Hallelujah. Can someone give Jesus praise this morning? So say with me, say unity. Is powerful. All right, now the word one accordia, if we go study it a little bit in the Greek, it's made up of two words, okay? The first word is the word togetherness. It means to have the same mind and the same purpose, right? But the second word is very interesting because the second word means to be passionate. It actually means to be fiery hot or to be on fire. Look at the person next to you, say, Are you on fire? So these two words coming together speak about not just that we have one mind and one heart and one attitude, but listen, we have passion about having one mind, one heart, one unity. Can you say me? We're on fire about the concept that we are the body of Christ and we're moving together towards a common goal, which is becoming more like Jesus. Amen? Becoming the, the true likeness and the true image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so sometimes what happens in the church, we become a little bit religious in our thinking, and we think when we're not on fire or we're not moving in a direction, it's because we don't pray enough. And so we think, well, if I pray in tongues some more, I'll get on fire. Listen, there's nothing wrong with praying in tongues. It's very dynamic. But sometimes the missing ingredient is not praying in tongues. It's getting into unity. Amen? Getting into unity with God and the Holy Spirit and what He wants to do in your life. All right? And then getting into unity with each other in the body of Christ around where God has placed you in the local church and the vision that God has given that church and you and I are moving in unity towards what God wants us to accomplish. Bump the person next to you and say, that's powerful. All right, have a look at Psalm 133. Let's turn there together this morning. Are you glad you came to church? Hallelujah. Psalm 133, verse 1, 2, 3, it says this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Listen to this. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. Verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, say there. The Lord commanded the blessing. What did he do? He commanded the blessing, which is what? Life evermore. Wow. 
So listen, God has declared a blessing over us in the Old Testament. He's declared a blessing over us in the New Testament. But listen, he commands that blessing to be operative when we move in unity. And so we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our mouths. We need to guard our utterances so that we can stay filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing of God, which gives us the ability to do things that we couldn't do on our own. Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit's anointing here is a picture of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 verse 4, descending upon the body of Christ as a sweet-smelling Savior upon God's people as they move together in unity. There's an aroma and a fragrance of God's glory that flows in our lives when we're in unity with God and unity with each other. Look at the person next to you and say, I love you with the love of Jesus. Now, Pastor Manny did a great job this past two weeks talking about building your prayer altar, watching what you say with your mouth, guarding your heart. What does that lead you to? It keeps you in unity. Can you say amen? You know, sometimes it's better in your marriage just to zip your lip. Just say zip it. Especially you men. Can I encourage you today? Can I give you some great advice this morning? Who are the men in the house that are married? Give me a nice wave. Say hoo-ha. Great advice from your pastor this morning. Sometimes it's better just to zip it. Look at your person next to you. Say zip it. And I want to just say this to you in a real godly way. Sometimes it's better in the church and in your relationships in the week just to keep quiet. And pray. Amen. And think about what you're going to say next because your words carry power. What does it say? When they were fulfilled, they began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Let's not be those who just speak whatever we want because that's what we want to say and those words do not carry the power that is going to ignite the Holy Ghost's wisdom, unity and love into the situation. Hallelujah. Amen. And so what we see is that when we walk and flow in this unity and we have this goal and we have this passion, this fiery hot passion for unity, there are two things that happen because notice in verse 3 here, it doesn't just speak about the anointing flowing. In verse 3 it speaks about the Jew of Hermon. All right, now the Jew of Hermon speaks about refreshing. Waking up in the morning and that dew is on the grass. And how you know it's so beautiful on the flowers. It is a refreshing. So there are two things that happen when we get filled. When we come into unity and the, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost comes. There's two things that happen. There's a refreshing. All right. And that refreshing produces works. Say refreshing. Say works. And church, we need to realize today that if you're going to flow with God in the supernatural, you need both of those things happening in your life. We can't get to the place where we just want the refreshing all the time because God filled them with the Holy Spirit. Why? So that they could go out and speak and utter the words of God and perform the supernatural acts of God, which did what? Caused hundreds, thousands to get born again. Amen. Bump the person next to you, say it's time to arise and preach the gospel. Let me show you a beautiful picture 
of the power and grace of God. All right? One of the most significant celebrations of the day of Pentecost is at Mount Sinai when Moses gave the Ten Commandments. Do you remember that? It was on the day of Pentecost. All right? He gives the commandments, and guess what happened? 3,000 people died because they disobeyed the law. Fast forward to the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Ghost comes and he brings the grace and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and guess what? 3,000 people get born again. The supernatural power of the anointing and the Holy Ghost working in our lives will produce supernatural results. Can you say amen? Who wants to be refreshed this morning? Hallelujah. How many you know we need refreshing? If you haven't put your hand up, I really don't understand. Maybe you're not born again. Who wants a refreshing this morning? Listen, I believe even through the worship, there was just that gentle dew of Hermon falling on our lives. Amen. Filling up our spirits because you know what? Every Sunday is about refreshing. But listen, why, why are we being refreshed? So we can go out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and do the works. Amen. And what are the works of God? Becoming a disciple, winning the lost. Becoming a disciple, winning the lost. And when we start to do that, listen, we sometimes get so jammed up trying to use our faith and the anointing to solve our problems when it was never designed for that. Your faith and your anointing is designed to win the lost and be a testimony. When you pursue that, let me tell you something, God will solve your problems. (laughs) Amen? And so sometimes what we do as pastors is we preach to the needs of people. And what we do when we preach to the needs of people, listen, we lower ourselves to the level of a nominal Christian. Because the only reason a nominal Christian lives and goes to church is so they can get something from God, so that they can go away and keep living. And I want you to know God has a high existence for you and I. He has a spiritual purpose for your life. He has a dynamic in your life that's designed to break the darkness, to shatter the bondages, and to be a devil-stomping, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching machine that makes a difference in our world. Hallelujah. So refreshing produces works, which is action. Listen to John 17, 21. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Listen to this. That the world may believe that you sent me. Church, we do not have to convince the world that we are of God if we're walking in unity. Because they cannot dispute it. When we come from all generations, all different colors, races, creeds, uh, you know, different convictions, and here we are in the blood of Christ as brothers and sisters in Christ, moving as one body to accomplish one purpose, which is to make the name of Jesus famous. Hallelujah. And that's the purpose that God has called us to. Can you say amen? Wow, I've got so much time left. This is awesome. All right, let's go back a step more. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Remember, we started in 2 4. We're going to end back there, if not this week, definitely next week. But we've gone back to Acts 2, verse 1. 
Now we're going to go to Acts 1 verse 8. Remember, we're looking at the full context of how the upper room experience came to be what it is. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus is speaking. Now remember, this event is happening at the day of ascension. This is 10 days before Acts 2 verse 4, the upper room. All right, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven after being resurrected for 40 days. He showed himself in multiple different ways that he had been raised from the dead. And here, just as he's ascending in Acts 1.8, this is what he says to his disciples. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What does the power of God do? It refreshes you. Can you say amen? So you'll receive power. You'll receive refreshing, refreshing when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Look at the next slide. And you will be my witnesses. So what are you going to get the power to do? You're going to get refreshed so you can do the works. Look at the person next to you. Say, it's time to work. Did they have a big smile on their face? Amen? Because listen, if you're refreshed, you want to work. Amen? And so it says, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's backtrack a little bit more. Let's go to John 14, verse 26, where Jesus now is starting to prepare his disciples for what's going to happen in Acts 2, verse 4, which is the upper room. In verse 26, he says, but the helper, say the helper, say the helper again, Look at the person next to you. Say the helper. All right. The Holy Spirit. Say the helper. The Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. The helper. Say the helper. The Holy Spirit. Who's your helper? Who's the Holy Spirit? Amen. He's the helper. What is he there to do? He's there to help you be like Jesus in everything. In everything you do, whatever you can't do today, you can do it with the helper, the Holy Spirit. So he, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. So you see, church, when we start to live and walk in the Spirit, we begin to access the supernatural life And that supernatural life, listen, will always cause you to be helped and to be uplifted. It will always help you to be effective in the way you're living. Now remember I said supernatural, not spectacular. How many know we all want spectacular? Can we just be real? Come on, we see some of the miracles and we're like, why can't that happen to me? We all want the spectacular. We all long for the spectacular. Listen, the world wants the spectacular. But here's the thing, church. Don't chase the spectacular and miss the supernatural. Remember when Elijah was taken up into a rock and, and wanted to see the goodness and the power of God. It was not in the earthquake. It was not in the fire. It was not in the wind. What was it in? The still, small voice. All right. And again, hear me today. There's nothing wrong with the spectacular. But here's the thing. I'm not going to chase, as your pastor, the spectacular. I'm not going to be under pressure every Sunday to try and come do something spectacular to try and impress you. Because then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in the flesh. And I'm going to try and do it as a carnal believer. And my job is not to work the spectacular. My job is to walk in the supernatural. 
Can you say amen? Let me give you a quick example and then we'll kind of wrap it up and we'll pick this up next week. Last week, Saturday, I was here last week, Saturday. Okay, let's just get the dates right. The Saturday before, all right, I'm in Gabon and in Gabon I was going to preach about one, two, one, two, three, four, five different messages over the period of four days that I was there. All right? So I prepare beforehand already what the messages will be. I get the theme maybe three months before, and then just in my time, I put an hour every day, I pray, I prepare, and I go there with my sermons prepared. Because you don't want to be under that pressure where you're traveling and you're preaching and you're trying to come up with a message. You want to already have that case so that you can be organized. Can you say amen? So I had all my sermons prepared, and on the Sunday morning, I was going to preach on having a winning attitude. All right? And so I prepared my sermon. Now remember, when I'm in Gabon, they are French-speaking nation. So 90% of them don't understand English. So now you're preaching with an interpreter. That is another mission on its own, because you need the interpreter to be able to interpret not just the words you speak, but the spirit that you carry in the message. So I've got a great guy over there. His name is Obi, Pastor Obi. Actually, in French, it's Orb. Say Orb. Pastor Orb, he sounds like he comes from a Star Wars movie. Uh, and Pastor Orb, listen, he's an international translator. He has a degree. He's recognized by the Gabonese government. When they have English people that come there, they hire him and they pay him hundreds of dollars an hour to be there to interpret for, for these uh, big authorities, the president, different people. So he's, he is organized. He is excellent. So I send him all my messages. And I love it when, he, when he's my interpreter because he is on fire for God. He pastors his own church and we really flow well together. So listen to this. So he's got all my messages and I spoke to him on the Friday. I said, this is what I'm doing. So Saturday night, my host, Pastor Gislin and Muriel, they're taking me out to a French restaurant. This is the first street in Gabon. I'm going to what they call Port Louis, the French Quarter. And I'm going to go to a Lani restaurant and I'm going to get treated to a French meal. And I mean, I'm so excited. This is amazing. And off we go. And we're driving in the car. It's a 40-minute drive to, to this little town. And on the way, the Lord says to me, I don't want you to preach that message tomorrow. So I'm like, Lord, couldn't you tell me this on Friday morning? Like, give a guy a break. Two days. So this is Saturday night and I'm preaching Sunday morning. The Lord says, I don't want you to preach that message. So I'm like... Oops. So I'm going into my notes and my, I've got my, my uh, whole uh, um, notebook of messages and I'm going through like, okay, Lord, what do I need to preach on? And the Lord gives me the message and I'm like, okay, so now uh, I've got to get hold of Pastor Orb because now he's got a few hours to prepare because tomorrow morning's the message. So at nine o'clock, I send him a WhatsApp because I didn't have, I've only got Wi-Fi when you're at a restaurant or you at the church or you're at your place of stay because obviously it's a different uh, country. So I wait to get to the restaurant. I log on to their Wi-Fi. I send him the message. And now I don't know if he's got it or not. And uh, I'm traveling back. It's now 11 o'clock. It's too late to phone him. I'm just saying, God, you called this. So you know what you're doing. I'll just leave it in your hands. Sunday morning, we get there. Orb is fine. He says, don't worry, Pastor. I got up early this morning. I've gone through the notes. We're good to go. So we preach a message. Listen to this. The power of God falls in that. This is the graduation service now. The power of God falls tangibly in that place. 
people are shouting, people are dancing, people are getting excited. And there's a gentleman sitting on about the sixth row, and I know who he is. He hasn't been in church for three months. He's an elder in that church, and he had basically backslidden because of something that happened that created a huge disappointment in his life. And the night that I was at dinner, Pastor Gislin spoke to me and asked me, what do I do about this situation? Because he was supposed to be ordained that morning as a, as a pastor in the church, and obviously that wasn't going to happen. He sat there and he wept right through the service because that message was for him. It spoke into his heart. It answered every question he had, everything he was speaking about. He came to me afterwards. He said, Pastor, can I just give you a hug? I said, no problem. I said, listen, let's go out together and let's have some time and I'll, you know, we can share together and speak. And we went, we went to a little ice cream parlor and we sat there. We had coffee and an ice cream and I spoke into his life and God turned his whole situation around in an instant. Listen, it wasn't spectacular because no one else knew but it was definitely supernatural. Can you say amen? And uh, I'll close with this today. The only reason that happened is because of the helper. Amen? The helper, the Holy Spirit. The Greek word helper there is the Greek word paraklete. It means the comforter, the one who comes alongside you, your advocate, your standby, your intercessor. Amen. We'll talk about that next week some more. He's the intercessor. He's the one who helps you. Listen here, church. You do not know how to pray. And you know, we walk around, sometimes even me as a pastor, you know, I know how to pray. I'm a prayer warrior. God's trained me. No, no, no. You don't know how to pray. That's why you need the helper. Because in every situation, you need, need to know how to pray accurately for that situation. And only the Spirit of God knows that. So when we have this humble posture and we build a prayer altar and we welcome the paraclete into our lives, listen, he will help you to pray accurately for whatever it is you're facing. And I want you to know when you let the Holy Spirit pray through you, you will start seeing results that you thought were impossible. And you see, so what's happened in the church, we become religious about everything we do and we do it out of practice and not out of relationship. Amen? And that's the difference of the upper room. When they were filled, they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Spirit gives you utterance, my friend, you start walking in the supernatural. You're going to break down limitations. You're going to break down chains. You're going to break the things that have been trying to hold you back. And you're going to move in a place where God's favor is increased in your life. Can you say amen? Look at the person next to you. Say, this is for you this morning. All right, I want you to just close your eyes, bow your heads in this moment. Father, just put your hands out as if you're receiving this morning. Lord, I ask you, you're a great God, you're a faithful God. Pour out your refreshing in us this morning. Let us be refreshed and renewed in our spirit, man, that, Lord, this week we go and we'll speak as you give us utterance. We'll move as we flow with you in the supernatural and we'll see results because of your grace working in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We dedicate this week to you. We thank you for this upcoming week. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you that you're working in our lives, Father. 
things that have been locked up and hindered before will be unlocked and released because of your grace and your favor upon our lives. Lord, that we will be witnesses, that we'll share with others what Jesus is doing in our lives, that we'll pray with others when we see they need something to happen in their lives, and we'll be bold in confidence because your word is alive in us, Father. Thank you. If you'll just stay with your heads bowed, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, what a privilege today to lead you in the prayer of salvation. If you'll just raise your hand, if that's you this morning. If you're in this auditorium and you want to be born again today, if you'll just lift up your hand so I know I need to pray for you. If you're online, I'm going to lead you in the prayer of salvation now from Romans chapter 10. If you'll just be sincere in your heart where you are right now, God will do a work in your life and you'll be born again and washed in the blood of Christ. Let's pray together. Say, Father God, I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for my sin and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me today. Now, if you're online and you pray that prayer, please go to our website, ramasouthcoast.com. Send us an email. Let us know you've been born again. The salvation prayer is there if you'd like to pray it again and go over it. And once we hear from you, we're going to send you a Bible. We're going to send you a booklet so that you can serve God and get plugged in to a local church where you can grow spiritually. Can you say amen? Are you glad you came to church this morning?